This is a presentation from Narara Valley Baptist Church, a church that's desperate for God and passionate for people. The sermon this morning is about Mary Magdalene. Um, we don't really know much about Mary Magdalene. Uh, we know a little bit, but not a lot. She was probably from a town called Magdala, which is where the name Magdalene comes from, or at least her family was. Um, we actually know where that was. Uh, archaeologists are digging the whole thing up at the moment. They've found some really interesting things there. Uh, you can Google it and have a look at pictures of the old synagogue in the town and things like that. Anyway, it was a little fishing village on the Sea of Galilee. And Mary Magdalene, along with some other women, were these special disciples of Jesus. Uh, they weren't in the kind of 12 disciples, the apostles, uh, but they were really important. Uh, Mary and Joanna and Susanna, these women spent time with Jesus. They traveled around with him and some of these women had a bit of money and they kind of bankrolled the whole operation. Um, they helped to support financially uh, the work that Jesus was doing. So Mary was really devoted to Jesus. Uh, we see Mary in the crowd uh, when they crucified Jesus on Good Friday. We see Mary there, uh, like I said with the kids, she was there when Joseph and Nicodemus took the body into the tomb and she watched what happened. And she was the first one to return on that Sunday morning. I'm going to read uh, the same story we just had with the kids, but I'm going to read it from the Bible this time. Uh, rather than just the, uh, the Johnny version. Here's how it goes. Uh, this is from John chapter 20. <clears throat> Early on Sunday morning, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb and found that the stone had been rolled away from the entrance. She ran and found Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, which we know as John, but he doesn't doesn't use his own name in his own gospel. He's the one writing it. So he euphemistically calls himself the one whom Jesus loved. Anyway, she said to Peter and John, they have taken the Lord's body out of the tomb and we don't know where they have put him. Peter and the other disciples started out for the tomb. They were both running, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. Don't know why that's an important detail, John but uh, good on you. He stooped and looked in and saw the linen wrappings lying there, but he didn't go in. Then Simon Peter arrived and went inside. He also noticed the linen wrappings lying there, while the cloth that had covered Jesus' head was folded up and lying apart from the other wrappings. Then the disciple who had reached the tomb first also went in and he saw and believed. For until then, they hadn't they still hadn't understood the scriptures that said Jesus must rise from the dead. Then they went home. Uh, I think that's interesting, that little detail. John says that when he went in, he saw and believed. For John, it wasn't just that something really weird was going on, that something unusual or unexpected was happening. He wasn't as confused as I think Mary probably was, something stirred in his heart. He just kind of knew that something spiritual was happening here, uh, that it wasn't just a mistake, they weren't just in the wrong place, uh, but something 
miraculous was happening, even before he really fully understood. I wonder if you've ever had that feeling, like God is saying something, God is doing something, this is a holy moment, and it kind of gives you this little injection of faith even before you really understood what's going on. Anyway, the guys went home and Mary stayed. John believed, maybe Peter kept wondering, and Mary wept. I imagine she wept from confusion, from worry, from grief for the death of her dear friend Jesus. Maybe she just cried from feeling completely overwhelmed. She had had a terrible few days, and it's all too much for her. Let's keep reading. Verse 11, Mary was standing outside the tomb crying, and as she wept, she stooped and looked in again. She saw two white-robed angels, one sitting at the head and the other at the foot of the place where Jesus' body had been lying. Dear woman, why are you crying? The angels asked her. Because they've taken away my Lord, she replied, and I don't know where they've put him. She turned to leave and saw someone else standing there. It was Jesus, but she didn't recognize him. Dear woman, why are you crying? Jesus asked her. Who are you looking for? She thought he was the gardener. Sir, she said, if you have taken him away, tell me where you've put him and I will go and get him. I think it's interesting. Have you ever thought about this? We, we know this story pretty well. If, you, you know, if you've been to church at Easter before, you've heard the resurrection. But have you ever noticed that Jesus was probably nearby this whole time? He could easily have shown up the first time Mary came. He could definitely have shown up when Peter and John came. But he waited until they went home. And then he appears. Mary was alone when Jesus revealed himself to her. Or at least that's how John tells it. Uh, there, there's sort of a bit of a... You've you got to do a bit of detective work because all the Gospels tell the story slightly differently. Uh, but it does seem... Uh, that even if there were some other women there, which the other gospel writers talk about other women going with Mary to the tomb, it does seem like perhaps at least by this point, Mary really is the only one who remains there. And she's alone and she's weeping and she sees a man who thinks he might be a gardener and in a way, he kind of is a gardener. He, he's kind of like Adam and Eve, the gardeners. He is the new Adam, the new gardener. But Mary doesn't know that. She thinks he's just a normal gardener. Maybe I'm reading too much into it. But maybe he knows what's going on. And so she says, surely there's been some kind of mistake. Can't you tell me where you've put the body of Jesus? I need to find him. And he says, Mary. It's such a, a simple thing. He just says her name. He doesn't need to say anything else. Just the way that he says it. He sees her. He knows her. He loves her. He cares for her. And she turns, uh, John says, she turned to him and cried out, Rabboni, which John explains is Hebrew for teacher. I think it's interesting that this whole way along, um, all these people 
are speaking Aramaic to each other, and John is remembering everything that everyone said and translating it into Greek for his readers. And at this moment, and a couple other moments in his gospel, he keeps the original word, Rabboni, because uh, that was, that's what Mary always called him. That was her nickname for Jesus, Rabboni, which just means teacher. But he could have written teacher. I guess he would have written didaskalos because he's writing in Greek. Um, but he wanted to leave it as it really sounded. When Mary really spoke to Jesus, she said, Rabboni, don't cling to me, Jesus said, for I haven't yet ascended to the Father. But go find my brothers and tell them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. He says, don't cling to me, which makes me think, she's hugging him, right? She's hugging him tight. She's, her tears of anguish and confusion and despair have turned to joy. He is alive, but he has a job for her to do says, you can't just stand here hugging me forever. You've got to go and tell my brothers. Tell them you've seen me. Tell them I'm alive and tell them I'm ascending to the Father, your Father, to my God, your God. There's a kind of poetry to these words, to this way of speaking. It's almost like Jesus is gathering them in and, and us as well to really push the point that His Father, God, is our Father God. God is not just a God who raised Jesus from the dead. He is our God, and He offers us our resurrection. Have you ever thought of that? There's something really intimate and really personal about the resurrection. Uh, Paul, writing a bit later, uh, describes it this way in Romans chapter 6. He says, We died and were buried with Christ by baptism. And just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now we also may live new lives. Since we have been united with Him in His death, we will also be raised to life as He was. I started this morning with a story time, but the Easter story is not just a story. It's not just something exciting and wondrous, this sort of magical tale about a victorious king who conquered death and came back to life again. And this Easter story isn't even just a historical event. It is, but it's not just the fact that 2,000 years ago, a man lived in Palestine and, and died on a cross and three days later rose again, coming out of his grave to appear to a number of credible witnesses. The Easter story is present. It is a present reality. And the Easter story has a future. It is a future hope. It is something we are invited into. We're invited in 
by those words that Jesus invited his disciples in. My father and your father. Easter is the opportunity to have our mistakes and our shame, what we call our sins, washed away. It's an opportunity to turn our backs on an old life that is shaped by death, a life that is falling to pieces in a world that is falling to pieces. To turn that old life over to the Jesus who died the death of all humanity on that cross and to live new lives like Paul puts it here. Lives that are copies of the life of our Lord Jesus or at least lives that are becoming better and better imitations of that life. Lives of love like his life of love. Lives of forgiveness and mercy, grace, service, kindness, yes, even self-sacrifice. And then, even beyond that, Easter is an opportunity to live with a future hope that we, like Paul says, that we will also be raised to life as he was. That's the good news of Easter. That's what we're here for. That's why we're celebrating today. What are you looking for? That's pretty much the the question that Jesus asked Mary when she thought he was a gardener. He said, who are you looking for? I'm asking, what are you looking for? Are you here today because you're looking for a good story? Something to inspire you? Are you here looking for a historical event, a piece of knowledge to put in your brain, something to know and and feel good about knowing, to say, I know what really happened that Easter Sunday that other people don't know. I believe that it's true. That's good. But are you looking for life, true life? transformed life, eternal life, a life that began in the resurrection of Jesus and which you can live and experience even now. I want to say this morning, if you want to start that new life, or if you've only just begun it and you want to go deeper, like I said earlier, uh, we are baptizing people who have made that commitment, who've made that decision to start a new life in Jesus. That's what Romans 6 is all about. It's about being baptized into the death and the resurrection of Jesus. That's why it's a good thing to do straight off Easter. We'd love to chat to you more about it, if that's something you want to do. If God is stirring that in your heart, maybe He's stirring that in your heart right now. Come and talk to me. Come and talk to Lewis or John. Uh, We would love to chat to you more. Uh, We've already got Uh, a whole bunch of people who've put their names down for that, uh, and we'd love you to join them on the 1st of May. Uh, And if uh, you've already been baptized, uh, if all of this is just a reminder to you this morning, uh, then I really hope that it is that for you, uh, that Jesus is speaking to you this morning. Uh, He is still alive today, 
Uh, he still speaks, he still acts, he's still at work in our broken world, uh, bringing that resurrection power to bear in our lives and in our world. Uh, so how about I pray that he would do that for us today, and then we'll sing again. Lord Jesus, you are alive, and we glory in that this morning. We celebrate that, and we praise you for that. Lord, we, we reach out to you in prayer this morning, uh, and we ask, Lord, for uh, the power of your resurrection uh, to be at work in our lives and in this world. Uh, Lord, there is so much brokenness uh, in our hearts. Uh, there is so much brokenness in our relationships. Uh, there is so much brokenness in this world full of war and suffering and strife. Lord, we pray uh, that you would be at work. Lord, that your kingdom, uh, that your resurrection power would come. Lord, we want to see lives changed and renewed. Uh, we want to see ourselves transformed by your power, Lord, made more and more into your likeness. Lord, we ask, uh, we seek, Lord, we are calling out to you this morning that you would come and change us by the power of your Holy Spirit to be more like your son, Jesus, in whose name we pray. Amen. This has been a presentation from Narara Valley Baptist Church, a church that's desperate for God and passionate for people. To continue the conversation, we invite you to join us Sundays at 9.30am and 5pm or on our website at www.nvbc.info.